Welcome to Earth Eats, a show of real food and green living. I'm Annie Corrigan. Springtime means warming temperatures and some occasional thunderstorms, and it also signals the start of a very exciting season for foodies and foragers in particular. Around this time of year, you start seeing, if you're lucky, patches of wild leeks popping up in the woods. In culinary circles, they call them ramps. I met up with someone who knows all about ramps, Bob Adkins. He's chef de cuisine at Farm Restaurant in Bloomington, Indiana. I pretty much am cook, manager, forager, fisherman, all-around guy. (laughs) He had a big, beautiful batch of ramps to show me. He was actually surprised that he was so successful with his foraging in early April this year. Normally, ramps aren't harvested until early May. Maybe I just got lucky and stumbled upon an early <laughs> early rising batch. Well, so what does it take? Typical spring weather, I guess. Rain, weather in the, in the 60s, probably still cool at night, um, in, the, in the 40s and 50s at night, and then you know, 60s up to 70s in day. But I think probably those mid-70 days we had a couple weeks back were... Uh, they were a big factor in these popping up so quick. So, oh. okay. So tell me what they look like. They, uh, they, I mean, they're pretty unassuming looking. They're very unassuming looking. Um, and, well, unless you see them out in the wild, I think if you're outside enough and, and you've seen enough of the native plants, these are as emerald as like the emerald castle in in uh, the Wizard of Oz. They just they really stand out against everything else that's coming up. Seems like everything else that's coming up this time of year is more of a, a dark green, where these come across as just a real bright, intense lime green almost, and they really set themselves apart from anything else. Um, well, there's a we've got a white bit to the stem, and then it becomes this really nice like maroon, purple, reddish, and then like you said, these really bright green leaves. So, what part are we eating? The entire plant is edible. Um, you don't want to eat the roots, of course. But uh, from the roots up, they're almost like a, like a scallion. You know, you chop off the chop off the very end of the root system, and then the the white bulb, the uh, interface between the white bulb and the green leaves, the maroon colored area is totally edible. And then the leaves are just fantastic. They're like a really garlicky spinach. Yeah, what's it taste like? Uh, they've been described anywhere from you know they're a member of the onion family, the alliums, um, but they taste like some of the most pleasant garlic and onion flavor you could ever have, really. They're just, they're, they're, I wouldn't say they're mild, but they aren't as astringent, I think, as, as um, cultivated onions are. They're just a very, very clean, oniony, garlicky taste. I mean, I can smell it from here. They're like three feet away, but I can, I can get the aroma. Yeah, they definitely exude a lot of the, the sulfur compounds that the onion family does exude. And they're just, you, you, they're very useful, uh, more, more so than, uh, than a lot of members of the family because the leaves are so tender. They can be pureed almost like basil for a, a pesto. They can be sautéed like spinach. Um, they can even be eaten raw, small amounts, tossed into salads to give an extra kick. And then as you move down, the maroon and the, the white parts are more, more for solely cooking but you toss them with like uh, scrambled eggs or home fries and bacon something like that and that's the way they eat them in uh, West Virginia and the Virginia the kind of Appalachian states tossed with uh, fried potatoes uh, and bacon along with uh, some sweet peppers stuff like that. Talk to me about the hunting process so where did you go how did you find this batch? I mean, can you talk about it? It's sort of like a it's like mushroom hunting right? It is people will uh, because 
because they become such a big uh, player in the culinary world, especially high-end restaurants, they're charging anywhere from seven to ten dollars a pound. So they're not quite morel status yet, but they are they are expensive and sought after. So people that find a patch kind of guard them. Um, I've found numerous patches and gone back the next year, and they haven't been there. So I. I found these just south of town in Bloomington, uh, next to Clear Creek, which uh, is, is a pretty decent-sized creek that runs south of town. And I found it in between an old riverbed and the, the present riverbed, up kind of on a plateau that was probably very fertile, but also very sandy. So they, they're going to grow in sandy areas, just like leeks um, that thrive well in, in sandy environments, sandy soils. So you're going to find them near creeks, old creek beds, new creek beds, where they have plenty of water, plenty of well-drained soil. And so as, as the spring comes on, I'm a fisherman. So uh, I, I'm out there mostly to catch fish, but I always keep my eye open over my shoulder onto the dry part of the, the land or dry part of the creek to see if I can spot these, these bright green objects. And, and when I do, it's, it's just a matter of time. either picking by hand or going back with a shovel. Um, so I'll be out there, you know, three or four miles walking down a creek, and you'll find a patch that's maybe 50 by 20 feet of, of these these beautiful Whoa. leaks or ramps, and and they just they they really just light it up. I mean, you can't. It's it's if somebody's never seen it, it's hard to imagine, but it's just like a, the four the forest floors uh, green with fire almost, and um, and if you step on one, I mean, like you said, the smell is so intense. Um, and they have an extensive root system, really, for being such a small plant, uh, which is one of the reasons why you have to take a shovel if you want to get the bulbs, um, because they just they won't pull out of the ground easily. Um, but I'll, you know, it's really just a matter of walking, like mushroom hunting, keeping your eyes open. People will tell you they're found here and there, but I, like I said, I've just found them randomly along creeks. I think the creeks is the, the biggest factor. Yeah. And you said warm during the day, cool at night, damp conditions, is that right? Yeah, uh, you know, a typical Indiana spring, um, 65 to 70 in the day with some sun to really heat up the, the soil. Um, and then I think the cooling of the night slows down a lot of the other growth around because as soon as these get shadowed or overgrown with anything else, they bolt, go to seed, and they're finished for the year. Um, which is another important thing is always leave a few in the area if you're harvesting to go back to seed because they will shoot up a, a seed stalk and they'll drop down and and uh, they'll make a new patch of, uh, of ramps the next year yeah. so like anything that you're harvesting wild you definitely want to leave a few so that you can come back in successive years to uh, to harvest again talk to me about uh your history as a forager about someone who finds random bits of food in the wilderness what's that like I, it's not as necessary these days as it was uh, a while back, but it's something I grew up uh, practicing. I grew up in Indianapolis, a bigger city, of course, so my father and I, every time we'd get a chance to get out of the city, we'd come down to the hills of southern Indiana, and we'd mushroom hunt, squirrel hunt, fish, deer, um, anything that we could find out in the wild, you know, we'd either collect or uh, we'd at least observe it and, and learn about why it's important to, to have these skills. And as I've gotten older, I can go fishing on my own and mushroom hunting on my own. And, and now that I'm working with Chef Daniel here, I can bring in stuff like that to, 
to give to our guests and give them a treat that's really only around for a minute part of the year. And that, that's part of the beauty, too, is having it's just a small window to really gather um, a unique ingredient that you won't be able to get anywhere at its freshest, at its most prime throughout the rest of the year. And right on cue, Chef Daniel Orr stopped by our ramps party to take a look at Chef Bob's spoils. As someone who has very little experience foraging for food myself, I ask them about the chances of mistaking a poisonous plant for ramps. As long as I use my nose, they said I should be just fine. But it is important to keep one thing in mind. Okay, I guess uh, one side note that we sh- I should mention uh, about ramps, and it's really not that big a deal because Lily of the Valley isn't as common or isn't as grouping, isn't found in the same places as ramps, but Lily of the Valley is a plant that looks extremely like uh, ramps, but Lily of the Valley is toxic to humans and should not be consumed. But the dead giveaway is the onion smell. If you find a plant that looks like this and it smells very strongly of onions, then it is a ramp. Lily of the Valley will not have a distinctive smell like that. There's, there's not one plant that tastes like onions that's toxic to human beings. So if you smell that oniony, garlicky aroma, then it's, you know, 99% edible. So when hunting for ramps, use your nose as much as your eyes. One more note from Chef Bob, something for all you fisher men and women out there. I found these about a week and a half ago when I was out fishing on my own, and they were still pretty small. But I picked enough for, for myself to take home and eat that evening. And I'd been fishing for about an hour and a half beforehand, hadn't caught a fish. I started picking these, and immediately after I picked them, you touch the bait again, and I ended up catching like eight or ten more bass through that day. And I hadn't caught a fish before I picked the, the, the ramps. Something else about ramps, they're a precursor to morel mushrooms, so if you come across a patch of ramps, you might want to revisit that same location a few weeks later in the hopes of seeing some morels popping up. And speaking of morels, take a listen to my interview with Ron Kerner of the website indianamushrooms.com. Look at photos, listen to podcast episodes, and join the conversation on our blog. It's all at eartheats.org. Thanks for listening, and happy hunting. I'm Annie Corrigan.